Ariel, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Um, I can't think of a better way to spend an afternoon than hanging out with Kellogg folks. And so this is a treat. Um, yeah, I'd love to start with... Um, Thank you, Akshaya. Thank you. You know you know that I love you and, and I'm deeply, deeply uh, honored to be here with you. Um, yeah, the pleasure is all mine. Um, so for, for those of us um, who don't know you very well, Ariel, um, can you start with talking a little bit about how you see yourself maybe in a given industry or the industries that you work in? Um, and then if there are two or three trends that you think are really interesting at, the, uh, at this time, uh, what those are. Um, so let's start from that. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm right now in... in uh kind of a, a pivot in my life. In my, uh, I used to be a, a family business uh, owner. I used to own a, a sizable business here in Colombia of, uh, in the footwear industry, manufacturing, uh, retail, and it was a, a very nice a three-generation uh, business, very nice. But uh, Lately, we passed through bankruptcy and liquidation, so it was tough. But I consider myself to be uh, to, to be in the shoe industry, in the apparel industry. And actually, I'm launching with my partner, also a Kellogg, he's an alum, a, a new brand, which is uh, very nice. We hope to to get some traction uh, soon. So if I, uh, regarding the footwear in the apparel industry, I think there are uh, a... There are a lot like medium term uh, terms, uh, trends, sorry, uh, and immediate trends. The immediate trends will be the ones that will be after the, the virus, uh, which is discounting and, and, uh, and retail. I don't, I won't say it, but I won't, I don't know the, the world, but it will be retail hysteria or consolidation or, or massacre. Uh, let's, let's see what, what's happened. But, but in the medium term, you have this Generation Z. And millennials that uh, today we don't know if they're gonna change their their way they consume, but they are looking for for ways of express expressing themselves. They have this uh, this idea that that they or this idealist idea that the world should be different, and they need to express it in in a different way. And what I'm reading and what I understand is that it's also it's the environment, but it's it's socially. I mean, it's both broad than only the environment. So I think that one of the trends that is very interesting, it's that idea that uh, you have to be socially relevant as a brand and as a business. No, just, but socially relevant is not just uh, saying, you know what, I have one or two or three styles or collections that are socially relevant or that in my PNL I have this uh, line that says uh, socially relevant uh, things that I that I invest or that I contribute I think that socially relevant is, is has to be done in part of the business model so I think that that is a very interesting trend socially relevant business model uh, one is that trend, the other trend, maybe will be some kind of offshoring, onshoring. Sorry, uh, but I think it will be very difficult to to that the footwear and the apparel industry will uh, divorce uh, completely from China. 
the things that 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 uh, many people don't don't know don't don't understand maybe is that China is not a it's not a matter of a uh, of cheap labor. China it's it's an issue of huge uh, and very well developed clusters. So it's it's not about labor. When 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 you say when you talk about manufacturing, labor is a very important thing. But clustering, uh, uh, clustering around uh, suppliers and knowledge and creativity, it's more important than labor. So China has developed right a, a very important cl manufacturing clusters in any of the industries, and getting rid of it, it's it's impossible. But some kind of onshoring of bringing some manufacturing, maybe not to the United States and to Europe, maybe to Europe, yes. I think that the United States is very difficult, but to Mexico uh, and to Central America for the United States, maybe the Caribbean and for uh, Eastern Europe and North Africa for Europe, maybe we'll, it's one of the trends that, that we're going to see. So it's two trends, a relevant, a socially relevant business model, no brands, Socially relevant business model from the beginning of the business, and uh, and onshoring or bringing some production closer to to the markets. Hmm. That's really interesting, and obviously your your perspective on it as someone who's seen this evolve over time is particularly interesting and insightful. As you think about things in the apparel industry that most people don't know, what are some things that that you think are sort of underrated or haven't been talked about enough? Or that someone who's not in the apparel world, um, in the footwear world, wouldn't know that, from your perspective, is really interesting. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, we tend to to think that 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 the value chain, uh, because maybe we have like a, a materialistic uh, way of think of of, of see things. So we think that the, the people who make the shoe or the apparel gets most of the money. And and it's the non non material no material value of no material parts of the value chain that they are keeping all the all the all the profits. So uh, when you when you when you buy a shoe or you buy a, a apparel, you basically you are paying a salaries, a bonuses, a, a lot of marketing, and a little bit of the shoe. Uh, on, on on the on the parallel uh, uh, piece, so that's that's very interesting and it's very intriguing because there is a lot of waste in the industry because uh, there are a lot of a lot of part of the chain that are keeping the money and they're not adding the value that they they need to add on on the one hand and on the other hand. To get this fast fashion and this type of a uh, of a uh, very uh, nimble and fast uh, supply chains, there is a lot a lot of ways you have to in order to to, to sell one one to have a one best sellers, you have to invest in fifty type of of SKUs. Mm. So it's increasingly difficult to make money out of it. I usually I actually I uh, had a when we when we had a factory, I had a kind of a contract with with for very interesting American uh, footwear companies. Uh, uh, one of one is Vince Camoto. They, they do Jessica Simpson. They do a, a lot of nice brands. And, and one of the guys, when I asked him, you know what, how do I make money with you? He told me, you won't. <laughs> you will lose money in, in, a, in, a, in, a, 
you want to in, in one of the shoes you want to earn a little bit money in the other ones but but maybe you won't you won't but you you're working with us you have, you should be proud you know what i mean i have to make i have to pay the, the, the bill so so it's this idea of fast fashion and nice brands and all the things that you see if you see, if you see it from the whole supply chain it's very difficult and, it's, and and there are many people struggling trying to to make a living out of these new ideas of fast fashion and and brand and, and superficial branding brands product i call it superficial because actually they are nice names they are they are nice clothes but socially they are not bringing nothing to, they're bringing nothing to the table hmm. Now, I, I know that it's, for you, it was a family business that that you worked on uh, before trying to make a pivot now. But for me, tell me what, what was sort of the driving factor? Was it, was it always obvious that you would go into the family business or was it something that you consciously decided to do? Walk me through that story. Yes, of course. My I I used to go with my father to since I was very young. My father took me to to many of his business trips, and I just sat with him and and just hear him sell the shoes or did do the deal. So so I it it wasn't a a decision. I mean, actually, it was a decision because I I started with in an investment banking career and I and I switched very quickly, but uh, I. Think that that by 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 having a a father and a, and a mentor, it was uh, the 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 usual and the thing that I wanted to do, uh, and I'm proud that 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 I did. So so, uh, so when when the time came, I I I didn't thought that it was what I have to do. Is I thought that it what I, what it's, I like to do, and and many things that I continue to do regardless of his of it was my family business or or my business or any or, or actually the the, the 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 thing the the way that i see that i see the cases on in the executive mba they are very close to what i learned from my father as a you are when you're a young kid you learn faster so 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 uh, i think it was it was a huge advantage to have a a father that that was ready to mentor me uh, and when when the time came i was eager ready and happy to do it because it was it not it wasn't my call i was i was happy really happy because i thought and i that that i had the the stamina the knowledge and the idea of how to how to do how to do the business how to do the trade mm. You know, we've talked about this some in when we've talked one-on-one. Um, as you look back, what has been the the best mistake you've ever made? I think that the best mistake of you, I ever made, it's a very human mistake. The best mistake I ever made is to think that I can change reality. Uh, what I mean by that, there are. You tend to think that every problem has a solution, and that you, as a as a person, has. If you study well, and and you you have your, if you have your 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 brain and your mind into the problem, you will arrive to a solution. 
but there are problems that they don't have a solution that 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 they are so so difficult to handle that it's better not to do nothing because if you do things it will get worse what i mean by that the the, the business that i inherited was in a very bad situation and i uh, instead of seeing the situation very very uh, in a very pragmatic way, which is very difficult for my human being, everything, n n nothing you see it in a pragmatic and, and you, you always see things on your sentiments and on and on your biases. So instead of, of, of analyzing the situation and saying, you know what, let's downsize, let's see what's happened, if we have to close, let's close, let's close the business now, I did the other way around and I uh, invested more money and tried to, to turn around the business. And it was because I love the business and I love my family's business and my family and I, and because and also because I was in love with my story and I was in love with the solution. I was so in love with my part of, of being of being the hero of the of the story that I didn't realize that I was making the problem worse. So, so if it's a beautiful mistake to make, it's, a, it's the best mistake to make because you realize that that we, that the limitation that we have uh, as a human being, and the, and you realize that you, you're being that randomness and uh, uh, it's it's a very important part of the of the equation. And there are things that there are ways there are. Uh, Parts of the story of, of that you can manage and you can turn around, and there are parts that you cannot do it, and it's part of luck, and you have to be ready to do that. So, so believing that you can grasp reality, that you can turn reality on your favor, that that you as a human being has have the ability to to do it, and that you're gonna be a hero a hero by doing that. Uh, it, it was one of my biggest mistakes, and, and and I'm glad to to that I did it because I I think that I understand human nature and biases and uh, much more. Hmm. Can you, as you look back at, um, you know, that's certainly a powerful example, right? But if, as you look back, was there was there a failure? that you look back and you say, I learned a lot from that. And I, I was able to make better decisions because of that one instance. When, yes, of course, when, when I realized that, that by, by doing what I was doing, I was making matter worse. And it's a, it's an instant that you, you see numbers or somebody tells you, you have to go to chapter 11 or somebody calls you and tells you, you know, that order that I, that, that I was going to give you and that will save you, I, I won't give you. So in that situation, in that particular part, you you tend to, to see things as they are. And, and it happens to me a, a two times. When, when we have a, we had a, a, a board, a board of directors meeting and so our our advisor, uh, very close to the family, told me you have to go to chapter eleven, and I started to think that this guy is crazy. How how can I go to chapter eleven? I'm I'm opening stores. I'm I'm the I'm a, I'm the hero of this story, 
And he told me, look at your numbers. You have to go to chapter 11. So that what was exactly the part, the, the one moment that I realized that I was making a mistake. Uh, and, and I didn't sleep, didn't sleep for many days. Uh, but it was it was a very good I mean moment. It's it, it's it, that was the moment of the of truth. I th this is one thing that that fascinates me. As you look back at that time, I don't think that I can really imagine the the feeling. Um, it seems it's not just financial. It's not just intellectual. There's like a physical. Um, sort of reaction I, I can imagine that goes along with such a momentous decision. What what carried you through that? Yes, I mean, w one thing that it's very interesting is that uh, physical pain can be related to 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 uh, to mental pain. So so it was actually a a very painful situation physically and emotionally. What I mean, I think that when you don't have a choice, you have you you, you there is a saying in Spanish that said that God gives you the length of your of your jacket, of the size of the jacket that you need when you need it. So when you don't have a choice, you basically have to have to uh, uh, do what you have to do. And and uh, at that point, I decided that okay, it's my duty uh, is to give this business, this three-generation business, the best possible funeral that it can get uh, by being a, the by trying to honor our, uh, the people that work with us with, with with what we can pay to them, and we did uh, by closing and deciding what we have to decide on time, so we have we, we have money to pay to to the people that that has to be paid. And, and to and and to do this in a very in, in the same way that my grandfather and my father and I did, which is and not not hiding with with the lawyers and consultants, just go and speak what you have to talk, speak, talk what you have to talk, give the give people the 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 real the real information, and you will find. Actually, we had a, a six hundred people. A, Working in the factory, and I did the the closing speech. I, I maybe my my lawyer and he, he usually the the labor lawyer or the guy who who does labor laws in the in the factory does that. But I decided I have to do it because it's it, it's a must. It was a must. I mean, people has has to has to hear it from me, and I did that. So uh, I'm very proud of that moment. I'm very very proud of that moment. Uh, I told people that that they 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 are they witnessed that we did everything that we could, but but uh, it wasn't enough. So so yes, I mean, uh, God gave gave uh, gave me uh, the strength to do what I have to do in times that that were difficult. But uh, but uh, I'm a much more mature and uh, human being and business and businessman. I'm not saying that I won't do the same mistake. I, I I will do the same mistake because I'm human. But but I'm I'm I feel I feel that I know much. I I know me and I know human nature much more than 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 many years before. Hmm. 
I, I want to shift gears just a little bit. You, you've been through, you, you've made a lot of difficult moves in business. As you look back at business and, you know, with the family business, life and business is so intertwined. What are guiding p- principles that helped you in that, in that time? One thing that's sometimes easier is if you think about quotes that come to mind that you thought about at those times or you think about often. I think that uh, keeping humility is one of the issues that being being a, a, a or have trying to have a a, a very controlled ego when you're you're succeeding and trying to have a a a big a beginner's mind when you are failing because there is nothing more misleading than success you tend to think when you are when you have success or you're succeeding that you are the cause of the of that and if you look back on on what philosophers are uh, from hundreds of years are uh, always say said is that it's very difficult to to prove causation actually in 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 statistics in in science it's very difficult to prove causation so in business it's much more difficult so you have to be very very aware that when you're succeeding, when you have big successes, that you are not the cause. I mean, maybe you, you were in the right time uh, uh, with the right knowledge and you took the, maybe the right decisions, but it's, it's, that, that's it. Because you can be in the right time, in the right place, thinking that you're making the right decision and, and it turned badly. So being being aware of, of your human, uh, a, a limitation when you are succeeding and being like a beginner's mind we be very aware of of why you failed and 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 how can you learn from that it's one of my my principles i i really like the quote that you shared it's quite something as you as you think about you know we've gotten to know each other uh, in the group um but if you were to think about an unusual habit or something absurd that you love, what would that be? I love to sing and dance salsa alone. <laughs> it connects me with my with my Colombian uh, heritage. And I was born in Cali. In Cali, it's a very strong salsa place. So so it's something that maybe it's absurd, but but I I, I love it because it's. It brings me, bring me joy and it brings me to my to my to my hometown. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, um, what do you do? I would I try to read a books, any book uh, that I'm that I have it uh, because it brings me maybe it, it brings my focus to another area which which is good. But usually I I end up having a scotch, so <laughs> so I would love to tell you, and I try to actually uh, here in, while in quarantine I'm trying to read more, but uh, but I but scotch is, is the easiest ways to easy way and more fast way to to get either to get focus or or to lose focus at all very rapidly. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you have a favorite scotch? A, a, a Buchanan's 18. Mm. I love it. Mm. Buchanan's 18 is and, and Old Par. You know, Old Par is very good too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on, on a related note to some of the, the conversation that we've had, if you think about the last couple of years, uh, what's something new that's significantly improved your life? Uh, my, the EMBA, hmm. the, the executive MBA on many levels. First, guys like you <laughs> and, you know, uh, expanding my, my I, I don't like to say connection because connections is very utilitarian. I like to say expanding my my like my network of souls, people that that uh, are there for me and I'm I'm and here for them. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. having this type of conversations because when when you enter to the executive to an uh, to an MBA, they say no, you can you're gonna get connections and connection. Yes, connections you you, you get it from through LinkedIn, but but people that that really care that you have the you can have these conversations and 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 you know that they will be there and I will and, and if they have a problem that they think that that you can maybe have uh, bring some light to it uh, that's life that's that's it's 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 life it's it's about make, making connection between souls mm. and and that one of the of the things that I love from the from the program, and the other thing is the connection with the with the academia, with faculty. Uh, it brings it brings clarity. It brings uh, you know there is nothing more practical than a good theory. So when 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 you after many years of, of being in the business of reading stuff, economics, philosophy, you you enter and, and you have a disengagement engaged professor trying to bring. To bring you his theory or explain it in a very uh, simple way, and those type of and those professors that that brings complicated knowledge and then it brings you to a very simp- simple way and that you can understand and you can grasp it. That's 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 something that that it's magnificent. I mean, it's it's for me that two two aspect of the of the program, the souls. And the faculty in, in the academia and the in the beautifully of of academic knowledge, it has I don't know if it has made me a better person, but but I'm a different person, definitely. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit. I'm curious about sort of what what is making you intellectually most engaged right now. So. If you think about the, the books on your nightstand or the podcasts on your your podcast player or Kindle or whatever, um, what do you have content-wise that you're really excited to consume? I'm uh, when I was in high school, I started to read the philosophy because I had a this wonderful teacher that actually I I. Uh, talked to him last, uh, in, in the beginning of the year, and I wanted to invite him to my house and and really uh, thank him for for being a, such such a good teacher. So I start to read the philosophy when I when I was as a mental exercise uh, when I was at high school, 
and I always had had this uh, curiosity and uh, and uh, for philosophy, and I'm I'm uh, started to read it again. So I'm reading a wonderful book. It's not easy to read. I'm, I it took me three months to to finish it, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's a confession of a philosopher from Brian Maggie. Brian Maggie, it's a, uh, he was, he passed away a couple of years ago, he was a British uh, broadcaster that he used to have in the BBC uh, uh, programs about philosophy. So uh, he has a lot of books, and this one is his intellectual journey. Uh, uh, so he explains his, his life and how he... What he read, what what he read, and what at what time, and what and he finished the book, uh, telling his philosophic positions on science, uh, ethics, religion, time, space. Very interesting. I have this book. I am reading also a, another book from a Nisim Taleb, Full by Randomness. I love the book. And I'm reading uh, on the side uh, Fernando Pessoa. He's a, a Portuguese poet and novelist. I, I, I bought the book on Lisbon. I felt in love, in love. Uh, when I was in Lisbon. I fell in love with the with Portugal, with Lisbon, and with Pessoa. Uh, the book is Libro de los Asociados in Portuguese. In English, is the Book of Disquiet. It's one of the best books I have ever read. It's, it's beautiful. It's from Fernando Pessoa. So I'm I'm reading these three books. I read slowly, so I prefer to read three very slowly than to read one fast and then the other one. It's and I and I love okay, and one of the, of my of my uh, pleasure is reading the economics every every week. That's wonderful. Um, one last question um, that I ask everyone as we're wrapping up. If you look forward to three or five years from now, um, what's one thing happening today that makes you most hopeful? Our, our future as human beings, as humanity? I want to say that, that uh, we are at this point a uh, having the first steps of a better society or, or that this huge crisis will 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 teach us that uh, we have to have healthcare to everybody because if half of the population is he's uh, sick so it's not good it's good to no one uh, i like to think that i i would like to think that uh, this crisis will, will show us that international cooperation uh, is better than isolation and nationalism. But one of the things that I learned is that we, we, we like to think things that we like to think. <laughs> I mean, uh, we like to think, to see things ending in a very nice way. And, and I don't, I, I think that we are not getting there. Maybe the healthcare part will be will be very important. I hope that countries like that doesn't have a universal healthcare will realize that it's a must, it's an economic must. But I think that we are going to to, to get a much more nation, nationalistic and chauvinist 
world, uh, which kind of scares me. And but we'll see. The good thing is that that I think that as for as of today, uh, the the trauma of the first and second world war doesn't now uh, has been. Uh, I mean, has have the 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 ability to not to give to take us to big wars in the world because you have you have regional wars so that's very tough but the trauma is slowly uh, receding so i don't want to think that we are close we're going to get a war but but i think that we are getting to a very divergent path one that could be good and one that are very scary That's not very hopeful, but I'll take it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, thank you for spending your afternoon with me. No, thank you for hearing me. You know, a, a hearing it's a healing process. I mean, to be here, here is, is someone to hear you. It's a healing process. So, so a, a, when you have the privilege to have someone intelligent right and an awesome person like you he, hearing the things that i have to say uh, it's it's amazing it's very kind of you thank you <laughs>